What's going on, guys? It's your boy, Eddie Knight. Welcome back to another episode of Nerdy Before It Was Cool, where we talk TV and film, especially ones that have to do with comic book characters. For today's topics, we're going to be talking about Batman fatigue. Is it a real thing? Are you experiencing Batman fatigue? There has been a crap ton of Batman comics out lately. It's like DC Comics is almost exclusively producing Batman comics and focusing on him very, very heavily. And then you go into the live action. There's a lot of movies centered around Batman as well. And there's a lot of shows with characters from the Batman lore. So we're definitely going to get into that today. And for the MCU, we're going to be talking about the Eternals. The movie hasn't gotten great reception. It's been a pretty mixed bag online. And this is one of the lower rated Marvel movies in a very long time. We're going to get into that as well as John Berthall speaking on reprising his role as the Punisher in the MCU. So stay tuned. Just a second, guys, before we get into today's topic, I want to talk to you about something called Anchor. It's the easiest way to start a podcast out there. And the best part about it is it's 100 percent free. There's a lot of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. That's dope for somebody like me because I'm always on the go. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you'll be heard on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. And my favorite part about it is you can start to make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Anchor will start giving you ads right away. It's everything you need and more to make a podcast right here in one place. So if you're looking to start a podcast, make sure you go to the App Store and download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor.fm. It's pretty clear that Batman has had DC Comics on his back for quite a while now. You may not be a comic book reader, but it's almost as if DC Comics has damn near exclusively been producing Batman and Batman-related content. I haven't seen many comics outside of Batman from DC in a very long time, you'll get the occasional Superman, the occasional character that is from a Batman lore, like Robin or Harley Quinn or the Joker, but it's all Batman-centric. Also, on the live screen, as far as TV goes, we have the Green Arrow show, which is obviously not Batman, but they pretty much just took his entire mythos and put it into the Green Arrow. On top of that, we got a Batwoman show on the CW as well. Instead of getting Batman, and she's basically a female version of Bruce Wayne, it has been confirmed that there is going to be a Batgirl spinoff from the DC Universe Titan show that is on HBO Max. We briefly get a little bit of Batgirl in that show. She is just Barbara Gordon and the commissioner of the police force at this time. But we get little flashbacks of her and Nightwing or Robin together and things that they used to do. And it makes sense that they're going to do a spinoff of that show with her because they spent so much time focusing on her in the Titans, even though she was an original member of the Titans. And then you can't forget about the Gotham show that was on Fox. Pretty solid show showing Bruce Wayne when he was younger, showing a lot of the villains when they were younger and less established. Jim Gordon and a lot of things like that as well. And eventually by the end of the show. Bruce Wayne becoming Batman. And then on the big screen, obviously we had the Nolan trilogy. Then we had Batman v Superman. Then we had Justice League. Then we had the Snyder Cut. 
Now we have the Batman 2022. And now we have Ben Affleck Batman as well as Michael Keaton Batman going to be in the Flash movie. As well as Michael Keaton being looked at to be kind of a mentor setting up the multiverse and being a mentor for future Batman related characters. So you see where I'm going here. There has been a lot of Batman content. And even though I don't personally feel that that is a bad thing, I have to keep in mind that I'm a Batman fanboy. I love pretty much everything Batman. There's so many different versions of the character. There's so many different directions you can take the character. Some of them may make you angry. Some of them you may love. Some of them you may hate. Some of them you may not care for. But there's so many different versions of the character you could choose from, whether it be, you know, Zack Snyder's older version of the character being kind of dark and broody and lost his way coming back to light or the younger take that Matt Reeves is going with a very new and young Batman only being Batman for a year or two. And obviously the Nolan Batman where he did kind of a middle ground between the two. I just think there's a lot of different versions of him to work with. And I think that really excites a lot of directors, but I will have to admit, I think it is just WB being very safe. And that makes sense seeing their recent buyout from AT&T. If you didn't know, AT&T acquired DC during the pandemic. During the pandemic, DC lost so many employees, like amongst the thousands of employees. They had their own in-house design team that designed a lot of their sculptures and their toys and figurines. They had to fire that entire division, and now they outsource their figurines through another company. You may have noticed in your local Walmart in the section near the registers that there's a lot of DC comics, like actually in Walmart. Thought that was kind of weird, but also kind of cool. But yeah, they outsourced a lot of their comics through Walmart, a lot of their toys through Walmart. So you'll see a lot of Batman and Superman and just DC related comics in general in your Walmart super centers. And don't get me wrong, this is not me making excuses for WB or AT&T not having any faith in one, these amazing directors that they hire, and two, the actual source material from a lot of these other DC characters that are really, really dope. I'm just saying that there's a reason that they're clenching to the wings of Batman so tightly. Batman has been their breadwinner for a very long time. Since Michael Keaton donned the cape and cow, honestly, and you could probably say that Michael Keaton movie really set up superhero movies in general. You could argue that that was the first really well-received and the first successful superhero movie. So even though I do wish there's a lot of DC characters that I wish could get some shine, man. I want to see a Martian Manhunter movie. I want to see a Man of Steel 2, most importantly. I want to see a lot of these DC characters get some shine, but I'm just saying I understand why they clench to the wings of the Batman so tightly. So for the people out there experiencing Batman fatigue, if you're a comic book fan, just set the Batman comics down for a little bit. There's a lot of dope comics out there, some that are in the world of Batman, like the Joker and Harley series by Black Label. There's eight issues of it. It is really good. There's the Killing Smile, um, the Laughing Joke. There's a lot of different Joker comics as well. Also, there's been some pretty good Superman stuff. And I've seen a new issue of Doom Patrol come out as well at the local comic book shop. It has been pretty freaking good if you're a DC fan. Uh, I'm definitely glad the popularity of the Doom Patrol show has shed some light on them as a whole. And now they're getting some more issues of comics printed up. As far as the TV show and movie people who are experiencing Batman fatigue, I get it. 
That one's definitely more understandable for me because I get it. If you're not a comic book reader, you may not be a huge fan of the multiverse theory. You may not be a huge fan of there being the Ben Affleck Batman and the Michael Keaton Batman in the same world and in the same movie. And then having a Robert Pattinson Batman in a whole nother quote unquote world and a whole nother movie doing his thing there and just the shifting of characters in general. And then Michael Keaton coming back. I could understand how you would be a little bit over Batman if you are more of a casual fan. All I'll say to each of you, if you are experiencing that fatigue, just be patient. As DC gets a little bit more comfortable and as DC takes a little bit more risk on their shows that are outside of the Batman movies and they see the reception for those, they will start to implement more characters into the fold. We will see more things. We will get more Superman. We will get more Martian Manhunter, hopefully, and just other characters in general from DC. They've been talking about a Green Lantern series on HBO Max for the past two years. I hope that that is not scrapped. There's just a lot of dope stuff in the future, so just be patient. Um, Regardless of all the Batman stuff coming out, I am really ready to see the Matt Reeves the Batman 2022. I was hoping it came out last year and it didn't. And I'm so excited. I've watched the trailer multiple times. But anyways, that's going to wrap up the Batman fatigue section. Now we're going to hop over into the MCU and talk about John Berthal speaking on reprising his role for the Punisher in the MCU and what that might mean for the future of the MCU, as well as the Eternals movie not doing so hot. So the Eternals movie comes out November 5th, so it's not out to the general public yet, but the early screenings for critics and, you know, just some people with notability and notoriety who can go see these things early. They have all seen the movie and it has not been great reception. This has been one of the lowest rated Marvel movies in a pretty long time. Uh, I mean, I think it's it's even lower than Thor The Dark World right now, which is that's that's pretty crazy. Um, but before we get into why I think that is, let's get into who the Eternals are. So a lot of people think the Eternals are like gods. They're not gods necessarily. The Eternals are, you know, they're just these eternal beings that can pretty much live forever. And they're, you know, they have powers and things like that. I mean, I don't know if they made this connection in the MCU, but Thanos' parents are actually two of the Eternals. I don't know if it's the specific Eternals that are in the movie. I haven't looked up anything about this movie. I just kind of want to go in blind and see if I enjoy it. But yeah, so Thanos' parents were actually Eternals. So that should give you a little bit of idea of the type of power we're talking about with these guys. Even though they are super powerful, they're still pretty B-list or maybe even C-list comic book characters. Uh, They had a few runs in the comics, but they were never largely popular Um, so i was super surprised that marvel even wanted to do this movie but it makes sense because they're trying to go more large scale you know having the watcher in the what if series and all that type of stuff so uh, it makes sense that they're trying to bring other like universal worldly beings into marvel now to go big because they i mean after endgame they kind of have to which gets me into my first reason why i think we even got this movie in the first place It's no secret that Avengers Endgame was one of the biggest superhero movies of all time. And as far as that last act of the film, that last like 20 minutes of the film, hands down one of the most epic superhero movies of all time. Even if you're not a Marvel fan, 
you can't deny that. That last 18 minutes of that movie, last 20 minutes was just pure, just pure gold. And they knew that they had to go really big. If you notice, after the first like movie that came was Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Also have not watched that yet. But ever since it did not pay off in that Iron Man movie with the Mandarin and the Ten Rings, everybody has been begging for an actual story involving the Ten Rings. So they finally put that to film and they changed up everything, even from the fighting style. Like It was like a damn near like a kung fu movie. With, you know, within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is a really dope flair. And on that note, I'm really glad to see Marvel starting to let directors have a little more free reign with their movies. Early on, it was like, okay, we have this formula that we have and we're going to stick to it. Any director that comes in, we're not going to give them the chance to do all of their director e things and mess up our formula. They got to stick within it. But around Captain America, Silver War, um, maybe even Winter Soldier, but Civil War definitely. Marvel movies started to come a little more stylized and they started to bring in different directors and let them see out their vision and more so like, hey, these things have to happen, but for everything else, you know, make it your own. And that's really dope. And I think that really, really shown in like Thor Ragnarok. But anyways, back to this. So yeah, they're definitely getting more grander, more large scale because they kind of have to. Um, but me personally, I don't know how well that works for Marvel in the future. Um, Marvel's selling point was these B-list characters, you know, this outside of Spider-Man, there hasn't been like too many A-list comic book character movies from Marvel. Iron Man's an A-list character now, but before 28, the first thing you've seen from Iron Man, the first thing I saw was like this cartoon. And uh, he was pretty corny, pretty cheesy. He wasn't cool. Same thing with Captain America. Captain America was never a cool character. Um, nobody in Avengers was really like a cool character. Maybe like the most A-list character from the comic books, if we're just talking the comic books, was maybe Hulk and Thor. And they are the least popular probably within the MCU as far as the big, the big Avengers go. So... That was kind of their charm, taking these B-list characters and just making these really family-oriented stories that anybody could watch and enjoy. And even when we're talking about gods like Thor and Loki and Thanos, the stories felt so, they felt more close to home. Um, and it seems like a lot of the stories that they're trying to take on now are larger and more grand and involve the universe and the multiverse and all this madness. So. I I don't know, man. Uh, Marvel. I'm not definitely not saying Marvel is gonna fall off because they're not. Um, but I do think the age of Marvel just being able to put out whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want it, is definitely over. Um, now that other studios are finally starting to get some traction and get their voices heard, and you know, allow directors to come in and make some pretty good movies. Um, the Snyder Cut came out, which was, for the most part, pretty universally liked. Most people have liked a lot of the later DC movies. They're finally getting their crap together. Sony is making their universe. 
I don't think the Venom movies are um, high-end cinema by any means, but they're really fun movies that a lot of people enjoy. And in that same universe, we got the Morbius movie coming, along with Spider-Man and the rest of his rogues gallery still being able to be used over in Sony. So I think just the reign of Marvel being that undeniable number one is pretty much over. Because you got a different types of categories of fans with Marvel. You have the Marvel fans who are just fans of the source material. So naturally, they just want to watch the movies and check out the adaptations. Then you got the hardcore MCU fans. They may not have ever read a comic book in their lives, but they've just fell in love with the MCU and the movies have turned them into comic book movie fans. So they're diehard MCU fans. And for those people, um, I can't speak for everyone, but for me, it's been very hard for me to get into phase four. I haven't really enjoyed much since WandaVision. I thought I was going to love Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and it was good. There was a lot of great things about it, but it didn't. I couldn't get into it, really. I, don't, I didn't even finish the show because after watching WandaVision first and just seeing the direction they went, and allowing that director to just do whatever the hell they wanted, basically. And it just seemed like, okay, Marvel is going to try something different. They're breaking the formula. And then, although Falcon and the Winter Soldier was good, it was very MCU formulaic. It just felt like Captain America 4 or something like that. So, it was good. It just, I just, it just wasn't what I was expecting after WandaVision. I thought we'd get some more stylized, more fun, intimate stories. But we just did it. Um, Loki was pretty good. I still have two episodes left, but Loki has been really good. But even though it is more stylized and uh, we get a deeper dive into Loki, a lot of that show is so much dialogue spilling. The majority of the show is just people sitting down and having a conversation. And uh, although that is great for three or four episodes, like, man, I I don't want to see that all the time. Every single episode, that's the bulk of the episode, just dialogue spills. But it, even though it still is good, this is not an MCU hate fest. I do enjoy the MCU movies and shows. Just haven't been too attached to a lot of the new properties lately. It's been very hard for me to get into phase four. I know I will love Shang-Chi when I go see that just because I love Kung Fu films. I love the main actor in the movie and uh, his previous work before this movie as well. And the last group of MCU fans were casuals. They just kind of popped in and out whenever they wanted. And although there were a lot of payoffs for watching previous movies, you weren't really penalized for not watching previous movies. You could pretty much get caught up and just jump into any movie in the MCU. And there were payoffs, but for the most part, you would be fine if you didn't go back and do a full Benji rewatch. But now with the multiverse, everything has become so intertwined. It's almost as if you don't watch these previous movies, you're almost going to be penalized and you're going to be so lost in future movies that it doesn't really incentivize those casuals to keep coming back, especially when they were probably more interested in the characters that were there before phase four, like Iron Man, who is gone, like Captain America, who is gone, like Thor, who is still kind of around, but it's pretty clear they're getting ready to be the end of Chris Hemsworth Thor, at least seeing him regularly and they're moving into introducing newer heroes that a lot of people like 
kind of myself included aren't very interested in, even though I definitely am going to watch just because I am a comic book fan. So, yeah, I just think the MCU reign is over. Once again, this is not me saying they're going to be unsuccessful. This is not me saying they're not going to make any good movies. This is just me saying they just don't have that undisputed number one spot anymore. For a long time, DC ran the show with all the Batman films and the Superman films and everything like that. And then it shifted to that amazing Iron Man 1 movie. And the MCU just kind of took the reins from there. And it looks like they're going to have to let those go. But anyways, man, let's get into John Bernthal reprising his role for the MCU. Marvel over the years has been pretty notorious for pawning off the movie rights for some of their characters to different studios who they think have a good shot at being successful, but they're kind of too scared to take the risk themselves. And that was no different with shows like The Punisher, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, The Iron Fist, and eventually them all coming together to be the defenders from the comics. Out of all those shows listed, Jessica Jones, especially season one and two, were pretty amazing. It's a very underrated show, in my opinion. Played very well by the lead actress in that show and a lot of the supporting characters. And just like Marvel is known to do, even though they had absolutely nothing to do with the production of the show, it was all Netflix. There was a different cameos from characters like Luke Cage, like Iron Fist, and like uh, Matt Murdock's Daredevil. And I can't believe that I didn't mention Daredevil was one of those Netflix shows as well. Hands down, the best Marvel TV show adaptation, period in any from any company hands down daredevil was an amazing show but yeah daredevil was great i really like the gritty tone of it the actor played a, a phenomenal part in that and then season two of daredevil we got introduced to john bernthal's the punisher and oh my gosh this dude was ruthless man like obviously he's ruthless in the comics but i did not think they would go that far and have him have this show just so bloody, so gory, so graphic, so well choreographed, and have this dude so mentally messed up and scarred. It made for some amazing TV. Before the beginning of Phase 4, Disney, who owns Marvel, if you didn't know, was going around buying up properties like Monopoly. They ended up buying Fox, and if you didn't know, Fox is where the X-Men were, so they acquired all the X-Men characters, all the mutants. If you notice in the MCU, they never said the word mutant ever until recently. They also bought back the rights to the characters they had on Netflix, like Daredevil, like The Punisher, like Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and all of that. So those guys are now canon MCU as well, because of all this multi stuff that's going to happen in the new Spider-Man and the new Doctor Strange film. So, yeah, they have been collecting all the Infinity Stones. And it's been talks for a very long time to get Matt Murdock, a.k.a. the Daredevil, into the MCU for a long time. Disney and Marvel are working on a She-Hulk show. And in the comic books, naturally, Matt Murdock, a.k.a. Daredevil, is She-Hulk's lawyer in the show. So we were always kind of teased with that information and everybody has been speculating and making conspiracy theories that one of these Netflix characters were going to cross over first. We all thought it was Murdoch, but confirmed by John Bernthal himself, it is going to be the Punisher. Now, he didn't give us any 
real details on what this is going to entail and what's going to happen with this. But I'm very excited for this because these characters are going to be able to keep those grounded stories that we're really going to need. For the most part, outside of She-Hulk, they're all human. Daredevil's human. Jessica Jones is human, but she has some abilities. Um, I don't know if they'll do anything with Luke Cage. Uh, I thought Luke Cage was amazing season one, and then they killed off the best villain of the show in season one. Should have kept him more of a looming threat, but that's a, a conversation for another episode. So I think it was really smart for them to get those characters back. Although I am a little bit worried about the Punisher being under Disney for kind of the same reason that I'm worried about Deadpool being under Disney. These are two very gruesome R-rated characters that they will lose a lot of their appeal if they're stamped under that PG-13. And we haven't seen an MCU film be ranked higher than PG-13 yet. If you watch the MCU movie, we don't see any punches connect. You don't ever really see anybody killed. Everyone dies off screen. Even when people punch, the camera cuts a hundred thousand times. So you don't really see any real damage done to people. And it's going to be really hard to do with a character like the Punisher and like Deadpool. So I am a little bit worried, but at the same time, I'm excited. I think they can make it work. And if they're going to take a risk, that would be the character that they would probably take a risk with. And I would be most happy to see them take a risk with. At the end of the day, if he fails, if the movie fails, if it doesn't do well, or if whatever adaptation they do with him doesn't do well, then they could always just, you know, scrap him like they do things that don't work. But my speculation is that these characters from Netflix will probably not be getting like huge movies, but they may just cameo in movies as well as they may have their shows picked up and continued on Hulu. Like I said, Disney is buying up properties like Monopoly and Hulu and ESPN were two other properties that they bought. So yeah, Disney also owns Hulu. Since I highly doubt if they bring a show as graphic as The Punisher, I highly doubt they will have it on Disney+. Plus. So my guess is they will end up putting that on Hulu. And I hope they do because it's just an amazing show. Daredevil was an amazing show. Jessica Jones was an amazing show. Uh, the Iron Fist wasn't very well received, but I personally enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the first season of Luke Cage and I enjoyed the season one of The Defenders as well. And I think that would be a dope way to keep those grounded stories going on Hulu while we're getting these big cinematic grand scale masterpieces going on on the main Marvel Cinematic Universe. And maybe whenever they need one of these guys, trying to tell one of these stories from the comic books, then they can bring them in when needed and they won't have any legal issues with that. But anyways, that's all the information we really have on John Bernthal and any of the Netflix characters actually coming to the MCU. Thank you guys for tuning into this episode. This is episode 10 and I hope you enjoyed it. My name is Eddie Knight, and this is the Nerdy Before It Was Cool podcast. If you want to talk about any of these things with me, find me on Twitter at Nerdy Before It Was Cool. Nerdy, N-E-R-D-Y, B4, like the letter B and the number four, it was cool. That is my name on there. It's not my at, it's just my name on Twitter. The actual at name was stolen, but you can find me on that name on Twitter. Same thing on Instagram. That is my actual ad on Instagram. And you can find me at that on YouTube as well. Feel free to comment, send me a message, whatever, man. Let's nerd out. It's your boy, Eddie Knight, and I'm out.